Chapter 5. To the Mountains. Shortly after, the prince and I had set off to go look for a mentor, Bjorn Ferguson. He had left the prince because Bjorn's wife was sick, so he went to go take care of her. We both wanted to become better swordsmen, because which teenage boy doesn't? It was a win-win because we could go to a place where people didn't know the prince was the prince. So we didn't have to worry about the paparazzi, and Bjorn doesn't have to leave his wife. I didn't want to go immediately because I wanted to find the girl whose smile makes my inside fill with warmth. I didn't tell the prince that. I simply said that I needed rest and time to tell my family what is happening, then goodbyes. Unfortunately, I couldn't find the girl, even though I scoured the castle without looking suspicious. I gave myself hope for when I returned because I knew she was with the princess, so more than likely she is a lady-in-waiting. Therefore, when I returned, she would still be there. I had said my goodbyes, packed lightly because I don't know how far and how long the training and journey will be. I also didn't have a lot of stuff to pack. I trek back to the castle, talking to everyone I know along the way. They're all laughing with me about how I finally made it to the castle. I am gleaming with excitement as I walk over to the horses that the prince has for us. I get to have my very own horse. I didn't get to name him, but his name was already Velvet Thunder because the stable master's son named him. The prince thought it was very fitting for me to have a horse with such an excellent name. I didn't blame him, for now the young lion rides Velvet Thunder to his destiny. That has a nice ring to it. I put my one bag on the saddle, and the prince looks over and asks if that's all I had packed. I said, yeah, it's all that I own. He laughs and says that there was no way he would let me travel that light when I was around him. He stopped what he was doing, and we went back inside the castle and got provisions, more clothes, a bag of coins for me for the trip, and a sword that I dueled him with. I thanked him with all my might through me trying not to cry. He shrugged it off, and he said that it was the least he could do for a friend. We pack all of my new possessions given to me from the kindness of the prince's heart, and we set off for Bjorn. I honestly had no idea where we were going, but I was just following the prince because it seemed like he knew where he was supposed to go. I asked exactly where we were going. He said that we're going north about a week's ride to a quaint village called Norendingafjongr. Your guess is as good as mine. He said it effortlessly. I tried my best, but I still cannot say it right. I say it differently every time I ask him how far away we are from Norman Lacherlinger. I'm pretty sure the name grows every time it comes out of someone's mouth. We started on the main road that led out of the city and through the nearby woods that I honestly had no idea existed. It wasn't very big. Well, that's because we went through it quite fast because uh, we both heard a noise neither of us heard before, so we picked up the pace by a lot. When we got out of the tree line where the road was now surrounded by wildflowers, we both agreed that we weren't scared. We were simply wanting a head start and wanted to see the sunshine beam on the wildflowers. Really take in the countryside. We camp out the first few nights. He started the fire while I volunteered to go grab sticks and quote-unquote hunt because I have never done any of those before, but I figured hunting wouldn't be too bad. I severely underestimated the difficulty of hunting. I was crouched down in a bush, talking to myself of how bored I was, but I knew this was the best way to hunt. I had set a little trap where I tied the knot on the ground, and the rope was suspended from a branch several feet in the air, and when an animal's foot was in the knot, I would pull as hard as I could and suspend the animal in the air. The plan never worked because I didn't have anything to lure anything with, but I still waited for something to come. A deer had crossed my path and was about 20 feet in front of me. I was a silly goober and didn't bring the bow and arrow. I had to do the next best thing. A knife! No! Yeah, I threw a knife at the deer. I would have fitted, but I was in the bush, and when my arm drew back to throw the knife, it rustled in the leaves, startling the deer. It was pitch black, so I decided to head back to camp. 
I explained everything to the prince, with the impatient part cut out, of course. I then fessed up that, yes, I have camped out before, but I have never started a fire or even hunted before because I would like to play and have fun. I left that to my siblings or my parents. He laughed and said at least I tried and that it was very noble of me for being honest and also for me to stop butchering the name of the town. He tried to explain how to say it, but he, he gave up. The next day was another boring one, just traveling on horseback, dudes being dudes and talking about our lives and our upbringings. The evening came and we camped out. He went to go hunt and I was in charge of starting the fire. I had flint and steel. It was pretty straightforward, if I could remember correctly. I got the sparks no problem, but I struggled to get the sparks to the kindling to set it aflame. In the end, I was able to do it, but I apparently didn't put the sticks in the right way for the fire. I thought it looked pretty and the fire was burning, is it not? Anyway, after we eat, the prince falls asleep and I couldn't. I was just staring into the fire, waiting for it to die down. All that I could think about was that girl. She just glided across the balcony. Her smile and laugh filled the air with warmth and joy. I couldn't help but smile at the memory of her. She was absolutely stunning. I've never seen a smile that beautiful before. I've seen my reflection, but she was on another level that I just couldn't compete with. She was way out of my league. She is a lady in waiting. She is refined, has manners, is probably wealthy. I do have manners, yes, but I don't have money. I can only marry for love, and that is hard to come by these days, especially in the high up places. She deserves a man who can give her those things. I can only give her fantasies and struggles. I'll do my best to accumulate a small fortune, but I don't want the prince's money. I want to earn it. I convinced myself that I need to focus on the prince and help him with whatever he needs me to do. I also need to focus on finding Bjorn and finish my training so I can be a better swordsman. I fell asleep thinking about the girl. I dreamt about her and woke up thinking about her. I thought I was over her, but I wasn't. I took the rest of the ride over to the village to get me to stop thinking about that silky dark hair and that smile which gleamed from freckled cheek to cheek. We arrived at the foot of the mountain where Norlingdingdongfjordler is located on top of. I had no idea it was going to be in the mountains. I didn't bring a coat, but luckily I didn't pack my new bag. The prince did, and it had a coat in it. It was a nice blue overcoat that made me look even more distinguished. I thought we had to physically climb the mountain. Nope. There was a road that went straight to the village. I mean, it would have been fun and a good workout, but I am lazy, tired, and impatient. Thank God for that road. Praise him. We get further along the mountain road to where the road is cutting through the mountain. Along either side is the mountain itself, creating walls around it. They weren't straight up. It gradually went up, and the road plus the grass beside it was about 30 feet across. It felt narrower, being on velvet thunder. We continued through this narrow path, and it kept getting more and more ominous. There was a low-hanging fog and a feeling that we were being watched. I was nervous, so I cracked a joke. I don't remember the joke, but the prince gave out a pity laugh because he was too nervous, but neither of us wanted to admit to the fear. Then it was quiet. The only thing that could be heard were the steady beats of the hooves of Velvet Thunder in our trace, the prince's horse. Thump, 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 thump. I hear Ben snap to my left. Startled, I snap my neck in that direction. I see a tambler jumping at me with its fangs out. He had jumped to attack me. I luckily leaned back as it tried to grab me. It struck my chest. The strike knocked me off my trusty steed. The event startled the horse, causing Atreus to rear, almost knocking the prince off. He tried to get a handle of his horse as I am getting to my feet, trying to comprehend what is happening. I am on my feet, crouched down, looking down at my wound. 
I flip my hair up to get it out of my way to see what is going on and where the beast went. I'm in a superhero pose because I'm a poser and the beast is circling me, analyzing its prey for the best time to pounce. It is a mountain lion, and it was not alone. The pride is on the mountainside coming down to help its friend. We do be surrounded now. I want to protect the prince, but I am in a one-on-one -on -one with ye old mountain lion who doth knocketh me off velvet thunder. The lion is perched and appears that he is about to pounce. Everything around me becomes muffled. It helped me focus because if I didn't, well, I wouldn't be telling the story. I crouch down on my toes to be ready to pounce on its pounce. We lock eyes. A classic western stare down. The lion is circling me still, waiting for the opportunity. I am locking eyes with it because I know that mountain lions, like humans, attack their prey one-on-one. -on -one. We both tense up. I run toward him. He pounces. I slide underneath him, sliding on my right leg. Once I am underneath him, I quickly stand up on my right leg, swinging myself over the lion. I'm on its back now. I wrap my arms around the mountain lion's neck and I take it to the ground. I am lying on my back as a 200-pound lion is on me, struggling as I am choking it. I get a good enough grip and snap the lion's neck, giving it a clean, quick death instead of a more longer, grueling one. Move the lion gently to the ground because I have respect for God's creation, and I am exhausted after that. I'm still lying on the ground, trying to catch my breath. I know I need to get up and help the prince because there are still some other mountain lions to take care of. Okay, the plan is to get up, yell to grab their attention, grab my sword, find the prince, take names, kick butt. Okay, three, two, one. I kip up to my feet, scream, rush to grab my sword, and yell a gnarly roar, and I look around to see multiple people staring at me, bewildered. I realize that a group had come and scared the other mountain lions away, and the prince is talking to a man whose back was turned. The man turned around with a big smile. "'Twas Bjorn Ferguson in the flesh. He walks over to me while motioning to everyone that everything is fine. He puts a hand on my shoulder and gives me a look. He didn't need to say any words because the look said it all. It was the look of a proud mentor." seeing what his pupil had done and was capable of. A look I have only seen my father give me, but Bjorn is doing the same. I smiled. Then I blacked out.